Well, we're continuing, uh, we're continuing our series uh, that we're calling The Journey this morning, and we're in Philippians chapter 4 here. But before we get to that, uh, we've kind of had a theme verse that we've been looking at and uh, we've kind of been focused on and talking about in most every message of this series. Uh, and this series will continue up through Easter. Um, but uh, as we come to this place again this morning, I, I want to look just real quickly at the Gospel of John, chapter 15 and verse 5, where Jesus says to each and every one of us, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. He says, but apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Nothing. Apart from him, he says, we can do nothing. We think in our own power and our own strength that we can accomplish and do a lot of things. But Jesus wants to remind us here, if we're not in right relationship with him, there is nothing in this world that we might do or think that we could accomplish without him in our lives. And it's this idea of Jesus saying to us, you know what, I want to do some great things in your life. I want to do some great things in and through your life. I want to produce some fruit in your life that will last and last e eternally. But he says the key to it is, is that you must remain in a relationship with me. You must abide in this relationship with me. And I will show you when you do that what I can do in you and what I can do through you. And so we've been talking about what would 2023 look like this year if we walked in more of an awareness that not only is he with us and he wants to work in us and he wants to work through us, but he's also a work at work around us. Everywhere we go, he is at work. He is he is an almighty God that is ever present and he is at work in this world and we want to be a part of what he's doing. In this world. And so we've been talking about what if we were more aware of his presence? What if we were more aware that he wants to do something amazing in us, through us, and wants us to be a part of what he is also doing around us? So if you have accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you've asked him to come into your heart, his spirit resides in you, and he is with you. Not only is he with you, but he is at work around you. But we've been talking about, why do we miss him? Well, why, why do we sometimes go throughout the day and maybe never even consider the fact that he is with us, he is in us, and he is at work around us? Well, we've talked about, you know, there's a lot of things that can get us distracted, and we've been talking about some of those distractions. We can get so very busy. Uh, we can get distracted by the noise and just the things that the world throws at us that uh, we miss him and miss the work that he's doing. But there's also another reason that we miss what he's doing or what he wants to do. And that's when you're going through a really difficult or a hard time. And it's often in those times where we're going through difficulty or going through uh, trouble or going through the valley or whatever it might be that we may not sense God. We may not see God working in that. And I've shared with you before, and I've shared with many of you, when you've been going through a difficult time, I will often tell somebody, when you're going through a valley, look for Him. Because He has promised He is there. 
He is with us. He's with us in the valley. So you look for him in your diagnosis. You look for him in your pain. You look for him in your suffering because he is there and he is at work and he wants to work in you and through you in this situation. And also he's at work around you if we'll just enter these situations with an awareness that he is just that. Many of us have gone through uh, difficult times in our life. And I don't want to just focus on difficult times because the, the same can be true of those mountaintop experiences. Sometimes when things are going really well, going really smooth, things are going great, everybody's getting along in the house, you know, everything is just perfect, we tend to forget that God wants to work in us and through us during those times. We kind of just take for granted. We're blessed. I'm blessed. This is a good time in my life. And so we just kind of forget about God. We're not really looking for him to work in our situation because how could our situation get any better? And so we, we have to be conscious of he's in us. He's with us. He's at work around us on the mountaintops. And in the valleys. We're going to focus more on the valleys though uh, this morning. And uh, if you've had children uh, say over the past 30, 40 years. I don't even know how old this book is. But uh, we read it with our kids when they were young. I think I've shared uh, some of it before. But it actually uh, was one of the books I enjoyed reading to my boys. Because I think I could relate with Alexander. And the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. How many of you have read that book before? How many of you are living that book in your life, right? I, I, he, he, he says it like this. The young boy at the center of the story. He's having a really bad day, if you haven't noticed the title. And he says this. He said, I went to sleep with gum in my mouth, and now there's gum in my hair. And when I got out of bed this morning, I tripped on the skateboard, and by mistake, I dropped my sweater in the sink while the water was running, and I could tell it was going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. He goes on to tell about his day, and he says, there were lima beans for dinner, and I hate lima beans. There was kissing on TV, and I hate kissing. My bath was too hot. I got soap in my eyes. My marble went down the drain, and I had to wear my railroad train pajamas. And I hate railroad train pajamas. When I went to bed, Nick took back the pillow he said I could keep, and the Mickey Mouse nightlight burned out, and I bit my tongue. The cat wants to sleep with Anthony and not with me. It has been a horrible, terrible, no good, very bad day. Can anybody say Amen. We can all relate to that, except for that cat part. If you've got a cat, every day is a horrible, terrible, no good, very bad day. <clears throat> I imagine every one of us has had a day like that, uh, and all the cat lovers just got out, got up and walked out. <clears throat> At least you had something to put in your chili. But, uh, I imagine every one of us. I'm getting dirty looks from my wife. We do have a picture in a family photo album of me holding a cat, do we not? And I think that was before, we'd never had a cat before, and it adopted us one time, and it seemed like a very sweet cat had been declawed just on the front, I think. Um, and so we took it in because it appeared to be hungry, so we took it in. And it was a very precious cat until I tried to give it a bath. Um, I, I did not know you did not give cats a bath. 
Therefore, my hatred of cats. They are demon-possessed. But every one of us have, have a day. I, I talk about reading the Psalms and the Proverbs and how we can relate to them sometimes. I think every one of us has had a day every once in a while where we could echo what the psalmist wrote in Psalm chapter 55, verse 6 through 8. And I'm reading this from the message, which is a paraphrased version, where the psalmist says this, Who will give me wings, I ask, wings like a dove? Get me out of here on dove wings. I want some peace and quiet. I want to walk in the country. I want a cabin in the woods. I'm desperate for a change from rage and stormy weather. Right? I mean, I don't know about you, but I can relate uh, to him here. And maybe today these words are ringing true in some of your ears. If not today, probably at some time in your past. And if not in your past or in your present, uh, they probably will at some point in the future. And so on this journey of life and this journey that we're on with Jesus Christ, sometimes we allow our circumstances to distract us from the realization that Jesus is with us. He's always with us. He's with us and He is at work around us. And you know what? We don't have to be victims of our circumstances. We don't have to be victims of our situations because honestly, uh, if we are, are victims and we feel like we're victims and we proclaim to be victims, honestly, if we're victims, then we somehow think that if we're a victim, that we're somehow not responsible, right? Someone else is responsible if we're a victim. If we are a victim, then we believe that we can't help being the way that we are because we're a victim of maybe a relationship or the way that we were raised, or something that happened to us. If we are victims, then we might think that we can't be held accountable for the things we do, or the things that we say. Because here's the deal. It's so much easier to blame someone else, is it not? It's easy to blame someone else, or blame a situation for the bad things that we encounter in life. You know, if only we hadn't made that move. If only, you know, uh, we wouldn't have, uh, have built that house or bought that car. If only I hadn't been laid off from my job. If only I felt better, right? And, and we all have regrets, and we all say from time to time, if only. If only that hadn't happened. If only, you know, they wouldn't have done that. Things would be different. Listen. Satan wants to deceive us. And by the way, Satan is our enemy. Amen? We need to know and understand that he is our enemy. And he wants to deceive us into thinking that our happiness and our joy is dependent upon our circumstance. He wants us to believe that our joy and our happiness is dependent upon our situation. But the truth is this. If we are not content... In our current situations, and that's what we've been talking about in this series, living in the now, living in the present, regardless of whether it's on the mountaintop or the lowest valley of valleys. But if, if we are not content in our current circumstance, we probably won't be happy or have joy in any circumstance. Uh, again, it comes back to this focus that we've been talking about, living in the moment, to journey with Jesus in the present, not living in the past, not worrying about the future, not worrying about tomorrow, but live in the present, journeying with him in what he wants to do in our lives right now in the here and the now today. 
So let's look at what the Apostle Paul says about this. Here in Philippians chapter 4, I want to pick it up starting at verse 11. We've already uh, heard some of the scriptures we're going to be looking at today. I appreciate Tina Hutchison uh, sharing with us our, our scripture during worship. And for those of you that don't know, she's my awesome sister. And I'm blessed to be able to have my sister attend church with me. Uh, but here's what Paul says, starting here in verse 11. He says, I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Say that with me. For I have what? Learned. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have what? Learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And when he says all of this, what he's talking about? He's talking about when he's well-fed and when he's hungry, when he's living in poverty and when he has plenty, right? He's saying, I can do all of these things. I can do all of this through him who gives me strength. And then he says, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. And that's just something the body of Christ is supposed to do. Share in one another's troubles. We walk along beside each and, every, uh, each and every person in the body of Christ. We walk beside them every single day. And you know what? Some days they need some encouragement. Some days they need some help. Some days they literally need to be carried to the next step that God's taking them to. And he says, it was good of you to share in my troubles. It's good of you to share in one another's troubles. Because here's the deal. We can't always control our circumstances. Even though it'd be nice if we could, right? We were talking about a few weeks ago, anxiety. What is anxiety? Well, anxiety is what you get when you figure out you can't control something. When you can't control a situation or you can't control a person or you can't control whatever it is, we get anxious about that because we're not in control. So here's what we need to try to learn from uh, the Apostle Paul this morning in this passage. We may not can control our circumstances, but we have to keep our circumstances from controlling us. Amen? We have to keep our circumstances from controlling us. And we see here uh, that there isn't just some magic switch that we can flip to do that. If there was, everybody would be lined up here today to flip the switch, right? And I'd be first in line this morning. But there's not a magic uh, uh, switch to, to, to flip. What we see Paul saying here in verse 11 is this. And verse 12, he says it again. He learned to be content. You see, it didn't just happen overnight. It didn't just happen in an instant, right? There's no magic switch. It was the result of, don't miss this. How did he learn this? It was the result of hard times. It was the result of a struggle. It was the result of going through some tough circumstances and some tough situations in his life. I want you to listen to some of his circumstances that he went through that he records in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And we're not going to have these on the screen. I just want you to listen to some of Paul, the highlights of Paul's life. He says, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I've been shipwrecked. 
I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled, and I have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Can I just ask you this morning, would anybody here like to trade places with the Apostle Paul today? <laughs> right? I, I'm going to say that he went through a whole lot worse than you and I have ever been through or are going through. But somehow, Paul can say here in verse 12, he says, I have learned the secret to being content in all of these situations. And I believe he calls it a secret because not many people know what he's talking about here. They don't understand what he's talking about here. Every one of us today could make a long list of things that we would change if we could, right? Uh, a list of things we wish that we might have. A newer car, a better car, a newer home, a better home, right? Maybe better health. And, and let me just say this morning, it isn't bad, it isn't wrong to say it would be nice to have certain things. It's not wrong to think that or to even say that. But when we can't be content without those things, right? When it steals our peace, when it upsets us, then we haven't learned this secret of being content that Paul is talking about here. I believe God wants to wean us away from our dependency on stuff. I believe that God would love to wean us away from our dependency on money. Because here's the deal. He wants us not to depend on, count on, and rely on the decaying things of this world that will not last. Right? So, He wants us to... Not put our focus on those things and not put our dependency on those things so that we will depend on Him. So that we will find satisfaction in Him. And the reason material things can never make us content is because here's the deal. I know this about you because I know this about me. We can never get enough, right? We can never be completely satisfied if our focus is on material things. Someone once asked uh, John D. Rockefeller, how much money is enough? Can you, can you imagine asking a Rockefeller how much money is enough? And he thought for a moment and he said this, just a little more than one has. Just a little more than one has. A lot of the time, uh, the, the reason that we can't be content and we can't be content in our circumstances is because we're not having our wants met when actually our needs are being met. Here's the truth about circumstances. Circumstances don't make you what you are. They reveal who you are. Circumstances don't make you what you are. They reveal who you are. Those of us who are parents can identify with this pretty well. 
Uh, like many of you, when uh, our boys were much younger, uh, well, I say when they were young, they're about to turn 20. My wife is gone. This concerns me. Huh? 28. Thank you. There's one in the back that knows how old he's about to be. 28. And there are still days when my patience wears thin with them. But when they were younger, it seemed like every single day, right? Um, and you know what? There were times when I did things and I said things that I wish I hadn't. Some of you have been there. There were times when I had to go back to my kids and say, you know what? I handled that wrong. I didn't respond right. I didn't say the right thing. And you know what? Sometimes our kids need to hear us say that. They need to know that we had no formalized training, right? We left the hospital. They handed me and Lynette two babies, and they said, have a nice day. <laughs> no book, no nothing. We had no training, and they sent us home with two humans that couldn't do anything for themselves. And it was on that day when my patients began to wear thin. But honestly, are my kids to blame for the outburst of anger that I would show sometimes? Are my kids to blame for that? No. The truth is, all that my kids did was really just reveal what's in my heart. Right? It just revealed what, who I was and, and what was on the inside of me. I mean, you hit your, your thumb with a hammer. And I, I don't know how y'all do. I've seen Lynette do this, and it's, it's horrible. She'll hit her thumb with a hammer, and every time she cusses. Every single time she does. You know, uh, hey, life's even hard for the Holy Spirit. Tell me. Did the hammer cause her to cuss? No. It didn't happen. Look at it. She came back in when I started talking about it. Where, where have you been? Checking on my chili? No. But anyway, I'm easily distracted. It isn't the hammer that makes us say bad things, is it? It's what's inside of us that comes out. Uh, Mother Mary, uh, she's not here this morning, but Mother Mary will often say, uh, we will say what we're used to saying, Right? What's on the inside of us. And, and you know what? While we're on this topic, we don't really like for people to see that in us, do we? Uh, we don't like for people to see us respond in a bad way or maybe sometimes respond in ways that we regret. Um, I, I hate it when I mess up and there's somebody around to witness it and to see that happen because, you know, we all want to look good and sound good to other people. Uh, but when other people see that we're not perfect, you know what they see? When, when people see that in me or people see that in you, you know what they see? They see someone who's walking with Jesus, that's doing the best that they can, they can do, and they need a lot of grace in their lives. And that's what people see. But you know what? When we try to live this high and holy, you know, better than everybody else kind of life, they don't see that. And so when they see the real me come out, they see somebody who is walking with Jesus, doing his very best to walk with Jesus, but somebody who needs a lot of grace. And you know what? I have such a great understanding for that passage of Scripture that says, His mercies are new every morning. 
I know why they're new every morning because I need His mercy in my life every single day. And so when we mess up, we should have the humility to acknowledge that because I believe with all my heart that people see Christ through genuine humility and genuine lives. I believe people see Christ in and through that. Now, I've got to say this about that as well. We can't use grace as an excuse to continue living in a way that we know is wrong. Well, I'm under grace. I'm, I'm a Christian, so I can do whatever I want, and I'm good. No. It's all about this next step mentality that we've been talking about. It's this process where he's taking you, and he's making you into an image that looks like him. And so we can't just be defiantly continue to do the wrong thing time after time after time and think, hey, that's okay because I'm under grace. See, there's got to be progress. There's got to be a cleansing that takes place there. There's another thing that this teaches us when we're living in the moment, living in the present on this journey. You know what? We're going to face suffering. We weren't promised an easy road. We weren't promised an easy ride. We're going to face suffering, and in that suffering, in that time of suffering, in that moment, we need to remember where it is we're supposed to be looking for comfort, where it is that we're supposed to be looking for help. Now, some people, that's the only time they look to God is when they're suffering or they're in a valley or a difficult situation. Uh, But in that suffering, in that moment, we must look for God again and whatever it is that he's doing and whatever it is that he's trying to teach us in that moment. Look at what Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 8 tells us. It's talking about the Son of God here, Jesus. And he says, Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered All right, so he's talking about the Son of God here learning obedience through the sufferings that he went through. And and so if Jesus suffered, not only on the cross, but he suffered in his life as well, if he was not exempt from suffering, if he was not exempt from the pain of his circumstances in his daily walk, in his daily life, then why in the world should we think that we would be exempt from that, right? Right? God's intentions for Adam and Eve was, you know, not for them to suffer. That was his intentions, for them not to suffer. But suffering was and is a consequence of sin and living in a fallen world, right? Would Adam and Eve ever have experienced pain in their life? Well, I'm sure they would have. If Adam would have hit his thumb with a hammer... I'm sure there would have been pain. Question is, would he have cussed? Would there have been those words back then? I don't even know. Uh, That's a whole different topic. But if Adam hit his thumb with a hammer, I believe that he would have experienced pain. But sin, because of sin, it increases the suffering in this world. It increases suffering. And, and it also reveals what's inside of us. And so our circumstances create pain. Pain is how we learn to take our hand away from the fire, right? That's how we learn that. Mama said, don't touch, don't touch, don't touch. But we didn't learn until we touched, right? So learning, pain is part of the learning process. 
And the only place that is exempt from pain, the only place that is exempt from suffering is where? It's not a trick. Heaven. Right? There will be no pain. There will be no sickness. There will be no death. Right? Does that ring a bell with anybody here? Right? The only place that is exempt from pain and suffering is heaven. And we must never forget that pain and suffering we experience here is only temporary. 1 Peter 5.10 says, And the God of all grace, who called you to His external glory in Christ, after you have suffered, how long? A little while. Doesn't say forever. After you have suffered a little while, will Himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. In this world, we will have trouble. In this world, we will suffer. And it's in those circumstances and in that suffering that we must learn our dependence on Him and not in ourselves. True joy may not be the absence of pain, but the presence of God in the pain is where we can have joy and peace. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, Paul goes on to write this. He says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in what? His power is made perfect in our weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. Who says that? Apostle Paul. He says, I delight in weaknesses. I delight in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. The question for all of us today is this. Is His grace sufficient for you? Is His grace sufficient for you? When we focus on the circumstances... When we allow our circumstances and our pain and our suffering to define us, you know what happens? We become bitter and not better. There's nobody here this morning that is like that, but some of us can just identify a bitter person by the way they look. Can you not? Again, there's not anybody here this morning, so don't look around. I saw a lady yesterday, uh, Lynette, no, it was the day before yesterday, Lynette and I were out of town and... Um, she had lost a pair of pants. How that happens, I don't even know. But uh, we had gone to buy her some pants, and I'm watching this lady shop. And I just look at that lady, and I thought, your husband is a miserable man. I don't even know you. I don't even know you. I can tell by looking. Uh, y'all know who I'm talking about. No, ain't no, nobody in here. But, I mean, some people, they, they're just so bitter, their faces got bitter. You know, it's all twisted. Poor lady. Poor husband. You know what, if we continue to focus on our circumstances and our situations and our pain and our suffering, that's exactly what's going to happen to us. We're going to get bitter instead of better. And I want to close this morning. When I say close, I've still got a little left. But a familiar passage of Scripture, Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And I'm going to say most of us probably know this one. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. 
Notice it doesn't say here, God causes everything to work out the way I want it to. God doesn't cause everything to work out the way that you want it to. And so we have circumstances. We have situations, often out of our control. Whether it be illness, or disaster, divorce, and even death. All of which can be really, really bad situations, right? Really, really bad circumstances. But God said, these circumstances, listen, they don't define you. If you're on a journey with me, if you abide with me, if you remain in me, your circumstance, your diagnosis, your problem, your failure, your whatever it may be, does not define you. I define you. You're my son. You're my daughter. That's all that truly matters. Is that he is our father. And we're journeying with him. Remaining in him. Abiding with him. God says I define you. And in all things God works for the good of his kids. God works for the good of those who love him. And abide and remain in Him. You know, it's kind of like taking flour and, and oil and uh, baking soda and what else? Salt, raw eggs. It's like taking all of those things. Any of those things by themselves would taste really gross, right? But you put them in the hands of a baker and they can make something amazing out of it. You put it in the hands of the baker and it ends up being something that tastes so good. Friends, that is exactly the way it is with God. That's exactly the way it is with our Father. If you will give God all your distasteful, unpleasant, painful, and hard experiences. If you'll let Him take all of those things. If you will trust Him and love Him and remain in Him... He will blend them together to make something beautiful and to make something good. But you must, yeah, we, we got to note here this promise is only for his children, right? It's not for everyone, it's for his kids, those who love him, those who remain. Paul's writings are mostly reflections of. His troubles, they're mostly reflections of his circumstances and his pain and his suffering. But yet, he can still say, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstance. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all of this. I can do all of this through Him who gives me the strength to get through it. A silversmith was once asked, How do you know when the silver that you're melting there is pure enough to use, pure enough to work with? And he replied, when I can see my reflection in it, then I know it's ready. Can God see his reflection in you? 
Can he see his reflection in you? Can others see his reflection in you? Regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the situation, regardless of whatever it may be, do people see your father in you? When you've been refined by trials, when you've been refined by trouble, when you've been refined by these uncontrollable circumstances, what is inside of you is being refined. It's being made pure. It's being made more like Him. So friends, stay focused on God. Stay focused on God's plan and not your pain and not your problems, not your troubles. Corey Tinboom, who suffered the loss of her family and was imprisoned in a Nazi concentration camp, said this, if you look at the world, you will be distressed. Amen? If you look at the world, you're going to be distressed. If you look within, you will be depressed. But if you look at Christ, you will be at rest. Your focus will determine how you feel. Your focus will determine your feelings. What you look at will determine how you respond. The secret to endurance is to remember this too is temporary. This is temporary. But the reward is eternal. Refuse to give up. Refuse to give up. Endurance is the mark of someone who abides and remains in the vine. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Say that with me. Therefore we do not lose heart heart though outwardly we are wasting away anybody feeling that huh outwardly we are wasting away yet inwardly look at what's taking place we are being renewed and refined day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs whatever it is that we've been through, whatever it is that we're going through. So what do we do? We fix our eyes not on what is seen. We fix our eyes as followers of Christ on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. I trust the Spirit of God to use His Word today in a way that honors Him and brings glory to Him. So I don't know what He's speaking into your life or what He wants to speak into your family or what He wants to speak into my life. I do know what He's speaking into my life. But this morning as we close, I just want to open these altars this morning. Maybe, you know, we all have different kinds of circumstances and situations. Some are on a mountaintop right now and you just like, maybe you want to come and, God, and thank God for the blessing of the mountaintop. 
Maybe you want to thank Him for bringing you out of the pit and the valley and bringing you to the mountaintop and He is there and He still wants to work in you and through you and around you. And maybe today you would just come and say, you know what, I'm available. I'm still available. I want to be available today. But I know there are a lot of people in our church today that are going through some pretty deep valleys. And there's some suffering going on. There's some pain going on. And we don't understand it and we don't know what to do next. And maybe you would like to come this morning and just bring that circumstance, bring that situation to these altars today. Maybe you would like to come and represent someone or you would like to come and pray for someone. Let's do that this morning as the family of God, as we close together. And I'm not going to take long, but I do invite you to come this morning if you would like to come and pray at these altars today while we close. God, today I believe we can all identify with Paul and the statement that he made and say we've been through a lot. Some of our people have been through more than I could ever even imagine. There are times I go, what else and how much more? And God, I trust your word today has not only been a reminder, but it's ministered to many through the help of your Holy Spirit. And I trust what you're doing here in this place. I trust what you're doing in hearts and lives and families. And I trust what you're doing with this church. It's your church. It's your church. And we trust you with it. Some days are hard. You knew they would be hard. You sent your son Jesus and he experienced hard. He experienced suffering and pain and frustration. So you know. You know what your children are going through as a result of a sin-sick world fallen and deprived world you know what your kids are going through so I thank you for your help I thank you for this promise I thank you for the strength that some people literally need every minute of every day just to get through the day I thank you for those that are here today that aren't experiencing pain or suffering or difficult circumstances. God, I, I thank you for their mountaintops and the blessings that we, we're not, we don't always live in the valley. 
so I thank you for your goodness because your word tells us all good things come from above and so we praise you and thank you for those blessings but God just because we're not on the mountaintop and we find ourselves in the valley doesn't mean that we're not blessed because we are blessed we have you we have hope in you we know that these things are temporary but they seem so permanent they seem so long but yet putting in perspective of just how short our lifespan is here on this earth comparing that to eternity we understand Paul's words about them being temporary but yet still it hurts so they, today I pray for those in our church and we have many that are battling right now they're battling cancer they're battling illness they're battling depression they're battling family issues they're, they're, they're battling the fact that their children are not in a right relationship with you there's so much going on in our lives today God but I pray for each and every one and I, I know I would miss someone calling every single one by name today God but you know each and every heart and each and every situation and I pray that you would be real and you would be relevant in every moment that they're walking through these difficult times that they would be more aware now more aware than they've ever been of the fact that you are there you are at work and we would look for you and not only look for you but see you and see what you're doing trust you these valleys are another opportunity to trust our God who is trustworthy so God be with these families today be with those that are waiting test results. Be with those that have tests in front of them. Comfort. Protect. Strengthen. God, give us an attitude of praise, even in the pain. I will never forget my dear friend Anita battling cancer for 17 years and her goal was not to waste her cancer not to waste her suffering not to waste the pain I, I can't even comprehend that kind of faith in my life right now but God because of her and people like her we've seen that and so we know it to be real we know it to be true and there's some people here today that need to know that it's real and that it's true. Be what they need today. In the present, in this moment, sustain, comfort, strengthen, heal. Help us to know as the body of Christ how to help people in their times of trouble.
and to walk alongside them. Prompt our hearts through the work of your spirit so we would know what their needs are and how we can help and how we can meet those needs. That's what the body of Christ is all about. It's not being lone rangers. It's not about walking alone. We're here to help one another with whatever needs there may be. So God, I thank you today so much for your faithfulness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for what you're doing in this moment, right now. We praise you for who you are. We praise you for who you'll be tomorrow and in the days ahead as we journey with you. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus that I pray. And I ask these things from the Son of God. in Jesus' name. It's in the name of Jesus that lives are changed and help comes to the hopeless. And I thank you for that. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Would you stand with me this morning as we go from this place as the body of Christ and the children of God? Would you share in this benediction with me this morning as we read, Lord, let us go out into the world in peace and dedicated to your service. Let us hold tightly to that which is good, supporting the weak, helping the needy, and honoring all people. May the strength of God sustain us. May the power of God preserve us. May the hands of God protect us. May the way of God direct us. May the love of God go with us this day and forever. Amen. God bless you all. I love you so much.